So how many ways could you actually switch a light? One of the things that electricians, they master, is the switching of lights and to get them exactly how, obviously, a customer wants to use it. And this is one of the things that confused the hell out of me at college. I saw it on paper, and definitely, yeah, you can see how intermediate switching works and two-way switching works. But on site, it was a right pain. On and off. That's actually all a light needs to do. In reality, that's all it was designed to do. But now people want it to come on for a certain amount of time, come on at a certain time maybe, come on at a certain dimness, a certain lux level. There's all different things that people want lights to do these days. There's so many options, even with different colours as well, with corn white, wool white, not just red, yellow, blue and green. And whose job is it to configure all of this lighting switching? Well, it's an electrician, of course. Doorbox talking for electricians. Helping electricians reduce stress, gain back time, and earn more money. I think the days of just switching a light on and off, well, they're gone. With all the functions you can get these days with things switching on and off with modern technology and the, the different ways that you can switch them on with intermediate two-way, yeah, that was a normal way, but now they want it to be voice activated. Now they want it to dim down. Now they want it to be motion censored. There's so many different ways, and if it's available you can guarantee a customer will want it. So in this podcast, I'm going to go into detail and tell you the specific ways which lights can be switched and what they're used for. And I don't know if you knew, but there's over 10 different ways that a light can be switched on and off. It's a bit of a minefield. So the traditional way is a one-way switch. Beautiful, nice and easy. Something that you learn at college, you walk out of college and you know how to do. But then there's two-way switching. And there's intermediate switching as well. And this is something that, yeah, you probably thought you mastered at college, but on site, it's it's a bit difficult to get head around sometimes. But that's the the traditional way where we get taught at college, and that's what we normally do on site these days. And it's something that electricians, they do, they master over time. And once you've done two-way switching a hundred times, you can do it like, well, with your eyes closed sort of thing. And then intermediate switching as well. I think once you've mastered intermediate switching... Then two-way switching is just second nature sort of thing. It's like riding a bike. And this type of switching, it is. It is still used all over the world to this day. And then in addition to that, people may say, oh, I want them lights dimmed. Well, yes, putting a dimmer switch on a one-way lighting circuit is fantastic. But what if that lighting circuit's two-wayed? I've been caught out with this before where they say, yep, I want to be able to dim it from one end of the living room and then I want to dim it from the other end of the living room as well. Well, you can't do that. That's double dimming. However, new technology on the market, you can do it. You can get certain dimmer switches that work work with each other. So you can have two or three dimmer switches that will all do that one light. I am yet to test them out, but the technology is out there. And also you get the common pull cord switch, which if you work in a lot of old houses, people wonder why. Oh, there's a switch in the middle of my bedroom. Why? And they ask to just have it taken out. Well, that switch is because when people are laid in bed, they want to switch the light off and they don't want to get up. I think maybe they were lazy back in the day because these days I don't think a lot of people have a switch by their bed. They have a lamp. And another little random fact that I know about electrical wiring as you know, the ceiling roses, when you walk into these old houses, the ceiling roses are sort of a half a metre away from the window. 
why the hell is that? A lot of people say, I don't know why you put that there. It's not like it's easier. Sometimes it's closer to the eaves, so you have to get down harder to get to that light. But that light fitting is situated just there because back in the day, they didn't have these curtains that were nice and thick and fancy. So when they put the light closer to the window and someone someone was getting dressed in that room, you didn't see a silhouette of that person getting undressed. Well, I'm not sure what people got up to back in the day in their room, which they didn't want to see people having a silhouette. But, yeah, that's the reason why the lights were put so close to the window, so it didn't cause a silhouette on the curtains. But this day and age, people have all these fancy curtains, the blackout blinds and things like that. So, yeah, they do want it to look nice and symmetrical and bring that ceiling light to the centre of the room. But going back to pull cords, they are still used commonly every day in bathrooms. A lot of people, yet they do like their bathroom switch on the outside of the wall because obviously we're not allowed switches on the wall in a bathroom. It's within, it's not within the zones to have an electrical item in the bathroom. But that's a good question because I wonder if you can use kinetic switches. They've got no electricity in. So they should be quite safe to be in any zone in a bathroom. You can have it by the bath. But if there's no space on the outside wall, it's normally on a pull cord switch within the bathroom. And to be honest with you, I think it does look a bit neater having it on the outside wall with a pull cord switch. And then up high, you've got the fan isolator as well, rather than having two or three pull cords in a bathroom. It's a lot neater. And that's what we do these days. I think a lot of electricians do that. They put a, a switch on the outside wall along with the isolator for the fan. It just looks a bit neater. But then we also have motion sensors or PIRs, passive infrared. And I think they were first designed for security lighting. And yes, they were brilliant because if you've got some scallywag intruder coming around the back of your garden, that light came on and it would be a bit of a deterrent to say, oh, sugar, someone's watching me or they've got a PIR light so now they can get seen. So it was a, a good deterrent to get rid of all these scallywags that come into the back of your garden or trying to fiddle with your car to have PIR lights installed in your house. Because then as well, on these PIR lights, they've got a little um, setting where you can do it dust till dawn. You don't want the light to come on in the daylight. There's no point. So it will have a photo cell built into that PIR light as well. A lot of them do these days. They have a light sensor as well. So you can, well, only make them come on at night. And with motion sensors and PIRs, this has advanced so much over the years as well. Because in factories, I've installed no end of PIR lighting. Obviously, when they moved up to LED, because the lights that were replaced were metal halide or son lamps. And if you if you ever worked with son lamps or metal halide, they're never going to work with a PIR. Because once you switch them on, well, they're going to take a little while to warm up. And I've even seen some kitchen designs where they've got little motion sensors where you open the drawer and a little LED strip comes on to show you what's inside that drawer. Well, in my eyes, if you need a light to see what's inside the drawer, you probably need to clear it out. And then another thing that I've done many times is installed a PIR into a bathroom because the kids leave the light on. You can install it in a downstairs toilet because it's a small area, and if you're in there, then that light's going to be on. So you install a PIR into a bathroom because you are not you don't sit down in there relaxing a lot. You If you're in the bathroom, you're probably going to be moving around. So it's an advantage to have a PIR. You don't have to touch the light switch or a pull cord, anything like that. It keeps it a bit cleaner. And there was one property I did that I think the customer just gave me the idea. Over the toilet, he had his PIR that only came on at night, and it was a blue light because... He said when he gets up in the middle of the night, 
it doesn't want to get blinded by the lights. It just wants to go for a number one and get back in bed. So this PIR light only come on. It's like a night light. So in the evening, when he, well, late at night possibly, when he got up to go to the toilet, this little blue light would come on. He'd do his business and get back to bed. He wouldn't have to have the full effect of all the down lights in the bathroom waking him up. I think motion sensors, they have replaced the timer switch. Like timer switches used to be used quite common in areas, especially in flats. When you walk in the entrance hall of a flat, you push the timer switch on, you get to your door and go in it and go off. But now they've got a PIR. So you can walk into that downstairs area, the lights have come on, and when you got into your apartment or your flat, the lights would go off. This is a lot more efficient, I think, for the building. And again, these are used these days for energy saving. Everyone's jumping onto the energy saving sort of scheme with electric. Electric has gone up. It costs a lot of money. So if you can have the lights on for less, that will save you a little bit of money on the electric bill. And another thing, people love a remote control. If you can give a customer a remote control saying, yeah, you can turn your light on from anywhere in your house, even if you can't see the lights from your bleeding front bedroom, they'll love that little control. It's cool. It's like a little gadget, especially blokes, especially if you can turn them on, dim them, change a the colour from a remote. A guy would love that. Blokes love their little gadgets. And I have before installed some lights on a remote control because a guy wanted it to come on when he pulled up to his house. So when he drove home, he turned his lights on so he can drive and park up. Well, in my eyes it would have been better having a PIR because then when your car pulls up, the lights are going to come on. You don't have to press a button to turn on. But if the customer wants it to come on a remote control and he's paying for it, then the customer gets what he gets, gets what he wants. But it doesn't stop there. These days, if you install a Wi-Fi or a wireless receiver onto a lighting circuit, it's not just a remote control or the kinetic switch that it does. You don't need a little remote control with a battery in it because a lot of people sometimes say, my light doesn't work when well, your battery's gone flat. So change your battery in your remote and it'll work again. But these days, you get a kinetic switch. You don't need batteries. It just works on that kinetic receiver. So with that receiver as well, you can also hook it up to an app on your phone. So you can work your lights from your phone. You can dim them, set them up for time, set them up to dusk till dawn. Sometimes with dusk and dawn, people have to change the time because obviously the time changes and the summer's different in the UK. The time in the day, times change when it gets dark through the year. So with a dusk till dawn setting, you don't have to change them times. It will sense that the sun's gone down from the app on your phone and they'll come on at the certain times that you've set. You can make them come on two hours after the sun's gone down, come on for an hour. There's all these different functions you can do. The options are bleeding endless. And then also, you can set it up to be voice controlled. So people can sit there and tell their lights to come on. And if that function's available, people want to use it. I think the only one thing that I haven't installed as yet is a clapper. I'd like to get hold of a clapper where people clap their hands and the lights come on. Two claps, it dims. Three claps, it goes off. Something like that would be good. If there is one on the market, someone let me know. I'm going to get one. But smart lighting, it has. It's taken off in a massive way all over the world. I think when it first came out, it was relatively new and a bit of a gadget. And the people thought, yep, I can play with it. And some of the new stuff, yeah, it didn't last. It was rubbish. But the new... Smart lighting, it has actual uses. You think about it, if you're rewiring a house and the chase down to the switch, 
What if you don't have to chase down to the switch? You can just put a kinetic switch in that doesn't need batteries. And that switch can be moved anywhere. And if you want to two-way it, you just get another switch. If you want to three, four, five-way it, you just get another kinetic switch. That's going to save you a lot of time and possibly a lot of money. You will have to install one of these receivers for each light fitting or each lighting circuit in the house. Like there's one in the living room, one in the kitchen, maybe one for the under cupboards if you want to switch them on separately. But then if you think, if you wire that house out, lovely, and the kinetic switches, and then you say to the customer, oh yeah, if you download this app, you can also control all your lighting circuits from that app, from anywhere in the world. Well, that's another function that they're going to want to use. Because I know you can buy these timer lights where people want to turn their lights on and off when they're away just to look like there's someone at home which I think is a good idea because it is a bit of a deterrent to stop these fees breaking into your house but that is a good function as well if your your whole house is wired with Wi-Fi receivers you can keep an eye on your house by switching your lights on and off at certain times through the day the only thing that concerns me a little bit is this is this technology it's relatively new at the minute and how fast technology evolves is someone going to come out with a better model or a better unit and then maybe this company is going to go under the app's not going to work because you think if you wire it conventionally like with a two-way switch and a one-way switch in intermediate that's normally last you sort of 10 20 years in a property well is this company's going to last 10 or 20 years with these Wi-Fi receivers? Are you going to be able to upgrade them possibly if they go wrong? Because normally likely if, if one goes wrong, you want to be able to easily get hold of one to replace it. You don't want to have to carry a stock for a few years. But I admit they are small concerns and being an electrician, I can just change them for free myself. So it's not going to stop me doing my whole house in it. The way that light switching is evolved, like over time, I don't think I can think, or I haven't thought of any new designs. It's a way you can switch lights on and off, apart from a clapper. I want to get one of them. But I can guarantee you, just because you haven't thought of it now, some smart ass or some smart Alec is going to design a new way of switching your lights on and off, and it will more likely take off once again. And this is why... As electricians, the people that install all these components to make them work, we've got to keep up with the times. We've got to make sure that we know what's coming to market, we know what's available, because not just it might make that job easier or cheaper for the customer, but it will make our lives easier as well. Maybe, like I say, chasing down to the switch. You don't have to do your switch drops all the time. If they're sort of something that's going to take off and last a lot longer, then there's no switch drop down. So if someone says, can I put a picture above my switch? Do what you want. That'll be fine. There's no cables. The zoning doesn't matter in that particular property. And I think some technology, yeah, it will come and go. It always does. But I'm one of them geeks that likes getting hold of it and see if it works and see if it's got some decent uses in the society of electricians sort of thing, in the industry of electricians that that might make it take off and we can use it. So this is what I do on my YouTube channel. And if you hadn't subscribed to the YouTube channel, then why not? Because there's a load of videos on there, not just for helping maybe people learning to be an electrician, but I've got some bloody good advice to help self-employed electricians to build their own business too. So go over there, check it out. I'll leave a link in the description so you can get there easy. So until next time, I'll see you again.